Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You join us on the hollowed turf of our back garden. Sean, 13, is attempting to break his keepy-uppy record, unbeaten for the last two years. Looking good, Sean. Three more to go. Oh, no. Pitch invader. Late drama here as he's stolen the ball. Adidas tracksuit and trainers from Littlewoods, Ireland. (sighs) Own goal by Buster. Shop the brands you love at littlewoodsireland.ie. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and community. We pay our respects to them and their cultures and to elders both past, present and emerging. Welcome to Murder in the Land of Oz. My name's Jess. And I'm Ellen. Yay! We're back. We haven't recorded in a month, so we're stoked to be here. How are you all? Pause. That sucks. I'm so sorry to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Is that still funny? I don't know. Is it? Was it funny to begin with? (laughs) I think so. Um, Hello, everybody. Uh, Welcome back to Murder in the Land of Oz. Um, Obviously, since we last recorded there's been a lot of things that have been going on in the world um yeah it's been a i like it's obviously 2020 is just the it's not the year to be cancelled it's the year for us all to just sort of reevaluate our lives um it's the year for us to deal with the things that in 70 years time our grandchildren will be like grandmama what was it like in the past times? And we will be like, well, child. Well, yeah. Um, I mean, everything that's going on, especially with um, the Black Lives Matters, uh, pro- like protests that have been happening all over the world. Um, obviously, like you guys don't need to hear from us two white women about our opinions on this. We're not important in this discussion. We're going to put in the show notes um, some references and some people that you should be listening to um, people of color um about their sort of opinions and I mean as a discussion that like we've all had Ellen Zane myself um you know now is the time for us especially like as white people to really learn and educate ourselves it's not up to people of color to educate us on this because the resources and the information is out there for you to learn um I know for myself I mean the past couple of weeks but also the past couple of years of working on this podcast has been incredible in learning just how much white privilege has affected me Mm -hmm. um 
and it, it's things that I things that I don't have to think about or worry about every day um, that I have taken for granted. Um, you know, I'm I'm not a perfect ally. Um, I'm trying to learn every day in order to a be, be a better ally and to to do more and to be more. Um, so yeah, that's that's all we wanted to say on the topic. Just because of you don't need to hear from us. Like we're not important in this in the discussion of Black Lives Matters. Like we we are obviously, as we've said in past when we have talked uh, talked about, especially um, the Indigenous people of this country who have been oppressed since white people came here and just decided to rip apart their land, rip apart their culture, kill millions of people. Um, mm. You know, we we stand with them. Um, and we are here to listen to your stories. So if if there's anything that you would like us to talk about on the podcast, um, obviously we are going to be looking at deaths in custody later down the line when we've gotten when we've gotten all the information that we need. Um, but yeah, there's more important people for you to be listening to at the moment. So that's all we wanted to say on that. Yeah, um, definitely. Also, especially because um, I, I don't know how you have been feeling, Ellen, because we mm. we talked about this in passing just a few minutes ago. Um, uh, what's been going on with uh, J.K. Rowling? And I know the people that especially are in our, our age group that, you know, Harry Potter has been a very transformative piece of both of our lives. Mm-hmm. And I can for sure say myself that the comments from J.K. Rowling has have been soul destroying to say the least mm-hmm. um obviously our our opinions as when it comes to trans people is that you know you be who you want to be and that's valid and you don't need some rich white woman yeah some old white bitch you're not who cares valid. jk rolling shit yeah. it's so devastating and i can't even begin to to think of i can't like i can't fathom like the whole experience of you know, being trans and how difficult that is and to come out and to, you know, to learn how to accept yourself and then to all of Only a to on have top. J.K. Rowling, like, who everybody in our generation has looked up to with to just, like, shit on your life. Like, yeah, she's dead to me. Um, trans women are women, trans men are men. That's the end of that chapter. Literally, the there end. is nothing additional to say. That's just what the facts are. Exactly. So trans rights, Black Lives Matter... Let's do a dumb podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so before we get into it, well, we have to talk about our new friends that are on our Patreon. If you didn't know, we have a Patreon where you can donate um, monthly to our podcast to help fund, fund our resources. Um, so the uh, we've got five people that have joined us. So exciting. Welcome. Um, uh, so we've got Laura McSweeney, uh, Phoebe Jarvis, uh, Rhiannon Bloxage, Rebecca Benson, and Kimberly Hansen. So thank you so much. Hi, ladies. Much. You guys should draw, have like some totally spies slash crime fighting group. I think you guys Laura, all Phoebe, have. Rhiannon, Rebecca, Kimberly. Yes, Ooh. the Powerpuff Girls. Right? That's Welcome. power. It is power. Um, so thank you all so much for um, joining our Patreon group as we we always put our Patreon stuff in there so if you want to join um that'd be great if not there's no pressure because we understand um a lot of people going through a lot of stuff at the moment so no worries um also it's june it's pride month 
Also, it's also it's Jess's birthday. She's twenty seven. She's old. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> yes, it was my birthday on Thursday. Um, I will also because this is coming out tomorrow for us um i'll put again on our facebook page i'm raising money for the national um indigenous and torres strait islander women's alliance um i've hit my goal of 300 and gone over well and truly over um but if you would like to donate to that great cause uh in honor of my birthday that would be wonderful thank you um okay so it's my turn tonight um and i'm going to be talking about a um quite a few homicides that have been um basically have been believed to have been committed by the same person or persons um and i'm going to be talking about the tainong and frankston murders so let's wind back shall we wind back those clocks we're in victoria on the outskirts of melbourne in 1980 great year all the twits so many stupid men in the 80s they're probably wearing the jacket that i'm wearing right now yeah 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 it's it's pretty bold of you to talk shit about the 80s when you were literally wearing a jacket with shoulder pads I in it you look like jerry seinfeld but i really like this jacket and it's quite warm um okay so the 30th of may 1980 uh 60 year old allison rook was last seen around 11 a.m by her neighbors walking towards the bus the bus stop on frankston and dandenong road Alison was six. Uh, she was a widow who'd lived in a red brick flat on Hannah Street in Frankston North. Um, so Alison was experiencing car trouble, so she had ditched the car and decided that she was going to catch a bus along the Franks uh, the Frankston Dandenong Road. Um, she had to go grocery shopping and visit a real estate agent to pay a bill. Um, about eleven, she was seen by the neighbours leaving her flat, walking towards the bus. Um, she never placed her grocery order, and she didn't actually make it to the real estate agent. And the bus driver working the route that day couldn't recall picking Alison up. On the 5th of July 1980, so five weeks later, a man walking his dog found Allison's partially hidden body in a scrubland on McClellan Drive in Frankston. Uh, the 10th of August 1980, 75-year-old Bertha Miller left her house at 10.15 to go to church. She headed towards the tram stop on High Street and was last seen by a shopkeeper making the 400-metre walk to the stop. Um, so Bertha was uh, 75 and was living with her brother-in-law, William, um, in Cardinia Street in Glen Iris. Um, so she called out to her brother-in-law as she was leaving at 10.15, um, who was in the shower, and she told him that she was going to church and that she'd be home late and not to wait for her for lunch. Um, in order to get to get to the church, Bertha would catch the tram from High Street. Um, her good friend, Jessie Moore, had um, who lived nearby on Burke Road, um, they basically caught the same tram every Sunday. Um so at about 10.47 along High Street, um, Bertha boarded at the terminus and um, Jessie got on a few minutes later. Um, when, but when, so that's what would happen normally. But when Jessie got on the tram, Bertha wasn't there. Mm. Um, so then Bertha's body was found. Um, uh, so her body was found um, on the 6th of December 1980 by a local garage owner and his friend two kilometres north of the Princess Highway at Tainong North. Um, Yeah, okay. So the 28th of August 1980, um, at about 11.10am, a 14-year-old Catherine Headland left her boyfriend's house on High Street. There was basically a group of people um, that were at the house and she um, was catching a bus to go to work. Um, So there was a group of people at her house. She was 14. She probably was like... 
oh, I don't really want to go, but I want to go. Um, so she left the house. Um, so Catherine previously um, had moved to Australia from England in 1966. Um, she was only one year old. Um, and she lived with her mother and her older brother in Berwick on Allen Street. Uh, she worked part-time on the weekends at Coles um, at the Fountain Gate Shopping Centre, Fountain Gate, that you would know from Kath and Kim. Kath and Kim, a show I have not seen. What? Jess, you, we can't, I have never seen any TV shows. You know I haven't seen any TV shows. Um, Zane, Ellen's never seen Kath and Kim. I know all the jokes. Look at me. Um, others. She just said, I know the jokes. Look at me. <laughs> all right. Um, <clears throat> So, um, basically, when she, um, when Catherine had disappeared was um, during school holidays and this was going to be her first, like, midweek shift. Um, she didn't start work until about midday, but she left home at 9.30 to visit her boyfriend, John. Um, and that was basically, like, a mile walk between her house and his. Um, so, she left John's house at about 11.10 and walked to the bus stop on the corner of Manuka Road and High Street where she planned to catch the bus. Um, and she never made it and she was never seen again. Um, so, so, sorry, 60, 73 and 14. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Odd. Um, so, basically, with the story of Catherine, her work had called her mother to let her know like basically just to ask if Catherine was okay because it was quite out of character for her not to show up and mm-hmm. not to give like notice that she was sick or something. Um, so then obviously Catherine's mum got in contact with John and they went looking. Um, they went looking around where the area of the bus stop thing was um, and like years later John uh, speaking to this TV, this TV program that I'm t- going to talk about at the end of the episode, um, you know, he expressed a lot of remorse for not actually walking um, with her. Catherine to the mm-hmm. to the bus stop um so the 7th of December so bear in mind she disappeared um in August 28th of August uh so the 7th of December 1980 um in the same area um that Bertha was found um to, uh, Catherine's body was found as well um near the north of the Princess Highway at Tainong Road okay uh, so the 6th of October 1980, um, 18-year-old Anne-Marie Sargent was last seen at the Commonwealth Employment Service office in Dandenong, um, where she went to collect her unemployment check. Um, she lived with her family, fr- um, family friends on Railway Road in the outer southern, southeastern suburb of Melbourne called Cranbourne, or Cranbourne. I say Cranbourne. I'm not Victorian. Who cares? Um, uh, so Anne-Marie was unemployed and she was struggling to find a career. Um on the 6th, she had gone to visit her mother. Um, when she left, she, um, she said that she was headed to a ne- the nearby suburb of Dandenong to go to the employment service. Um, uh, she told her mother that she would be returning later in the day to collect some clothing. Um, so she did make it to the uh, Commonwealth Employment Service and lodged the form, but after she left the office, she wasn't seen again. Um, and her body was found with Bertha Miller's um, on the 6th of December 1980 by, as I said, the local garage owner and his friend. And uh, Catherine Headland's body was about 15 metres away. So that's what's sort of, you know, at the moment with the people, like the women that I've talked about so far, that's what sort of got these women together together is because of how close they were, which Mm -hmm. it does seem a bit odd because generally the older the victim is, the younger the perpetrator is. Ooh, that's interesting. 
Thank you, Criminal Minds, for teaching me that. Um, <laughs> I've also not seen that show. Uh, anyway. Um, okay. Uh, so the 29th of November 1980, 34-year-old Narumal Stevenson was last seen by her husband, Wayne, in the car parked near their friend's house on Park Street in Brunswick. Um, Nurimal was uh, 34. She was born in Thailand. She'd married Wayne, who was a Victorian dairy farmer in Thailand in 1978, um, before moving to Australia in August of 1979. Um, Wayne and Nurimal lived on a farm in Dean's Marsh, about 134 k's southwest of Melbourne. Um, on the 28th, they had visited Melbourne with another couple. They were going to see a concert. Um, on the 29th, they all visited a friend in Park Street in Brunswick around 18 k's, um, which is 18 k's in and north of Melbourne. Brunswick's quite a nice area. Um, when they got there, Neuromal was upset and she refused to get out of the car and go up into the flat. Um, Wayne and the other couple went into the flat where they drank wine and coffee. Um, Wayne came down three times to check on Neuromal. The second time he found her walking down the street. The third he found her talking Thai to a man in a car. Um, the man had a European accent. After this third check, oh, is that a kitty? Did that come over on the microphone? Oh my God, Leia's like, I'll show you, Ellen. Can you see her near the TV screen up there? Oh, wow. That, yeah, I can. <laughs> She's an adventurous little kitty. Maybe if I shake the treats later, she'll come down. Um, so yeah, so she, um, she after the third check, Wayne sat with his wife in the car until it was nearly dawn and then he walked upstairs and fell asleep. Um, Neuromal remained in the car, still refusing to enter the flat. Um, shortly after 6am, Wayne walked back downstairs to see his wife, but she wasn't there. The class was still there, but Neuromal was missing and her body was found on the th- um, Thursday, the 3rd of February, 1983 by a teacher... Um, near the bush track along the Princess Highway of Tainong North. So still in the same still area. Still the same like zone. This, yeah. <sighs> so basically they had found the bodies first of Bertha and Anne-Marie um, in the dense scrub uh, around um, on the Princess Highway of Tainong North. So that was the 6th of um, December 1980. Obviously with finding two bodies in that sort of area, the police then were combing the area mm-hmm. and that's when they found the bodies of um Catherine Headland which was 15 meters away from Anne-Marie and from Bertha um so then the 9th going back to the 9th of October um Joy Carmel Summers was seen by her neighbors around 1 p.m outside her house and she was heading to the bus stop located um at the intersection of Chili Street and Frankston Dandenong uh road that's the thing, the same road that they're disappearing on as well. Yeah. So it's highly likely it was the same person. Um, so she was last seen at the bus stop at 1.20 p.m. Um, she lived uh, very, very close to Alison Rooks' place, only about a K away, um, but, but it appeared from the investigation of the police that they didn't know each other. Um, every Friday she went shopping with her friend William Cotter um, but on the 9th of October, William had a few medical appointments booked so he couldn't go shopping with Joy and she didn't like shopping alone. Fair enough. Um, but she had decided to catch the bus because she needed to, to go to the butcher. Mm-hmm. Um, she was seen by neighbours outside her house heading to the bus which and like the bus stop was only about 100 metres away from her house. Um, so she was last seen at the bus stop. The bus, stop, the bus driver couldn't recall picking her up um, and she had never placed the order at the butchers. And so she was found on um, the 6th – no, the, she was found six weeks later on the 22nd of November 1981 at about 11 a.m. 
uh, someone was collecting firewood and they found Joy's naked oh, body. God. Were and, the other ones naked? Uh, so she was only about three kilometres away from Allison. Oh, okay. And um, so with the bodies that have been found, none of them have been buried. They've just been hid with, um, hidden with like scrub and, and were brush they, and everything Were they like all that. naked or only some? They were all naked. All naked, okay. Um, so basically... Da, 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 da. My word document. There we go. Um, so the obviously because it's um, a, quite a lot of murders were in the same area of well, a lot of the bodies were found in Frankston and then um, Tynong. So mm-hmm. they're basically sort of diagonally across from each other. Mm-hmm. Melbourne, more people are probably going to be like, oh, shut up! I don't Melbourne. Uh, Whatever. Melbourne. Whatever. Whatever. Um, um, so basically, the um, the two separate areas were treated um, were basically treated as two separate in- investigations right um, but they were linked obviously because of the MOs of everyone you know traveling mm-hmm. getting on buses yeah. walking somewhere they were all by themselves um, th- those sort of like MO like made them like treat them as similarities um, and also around that same time a case that we've also spoken about the Truro murders in South Australia mm-hmm. were very similar um, so according to the police at the time, all of the victims were on foot, most of them planning to use public transport. Um, uh, maybe like they had missed a bus or maybe something had happened. So maybe they had, um, they had, they tried to hitchhike. Yeah. Which, you know, it's a different time. Like you wouldn't just do that now, but people But were, very like, common back in the day. Very common, as we've said. Um, but, you know given that there weren't a lot of eyewitness, there weren't any eyewitnesses to anything suspicious, um, the authorities sort of assumed that the victims probably knew or trusted the abductor. So, you know, maybe similar to the Catherine and David Burney thing of it being a couple. A couple. Maybe it was someone in a uniform. Mm-hmm. Or you know, a woman. Or a woman or something like that. Yeah, can't rule that out. I can't mean, probably not, right? But could be. Could be. <laughs> Um, causes of death couldn't be identified because of the decomposition of the bodies, unfortunately. Right. Um, but they were um, stripped of possessions as well. Um, around 2,000 interviews were held regarding the case and later investigators speculated the possibility of two or maybe three separate offenders, which sort of seems unlikely to me just with how close and some how of the bodies similar. were found. Um, so the current prime suspect um, for the case is an 85-year-old man, uh, currently, uh, called Harold Janman, who had often who had often offered women lifts around the Frankston Dandenong Road, um, mm-hmm. but maintained his innocence in 2018. Um, so far, no one's been charged regarding the murders, which remain unsolved. And then in 2017, this is unbelievable. Um, the police announced six separate one million dollar rewards. Up oh. from the original of 50000 which, okay, so that's incredible, right? And then obviously, you know, with everything that's going on at the moment and, you know, as I said, with Ellen and I doing cases, that would never happen for a woman of colour. You are sadly ever. extremely correct. Ever. Like $1 million per victim. Like that's a lot of, that's a lot of victims and in a very, like, close proximation, mm-hmm. but that would never happen if those women were Indigenous. I mean, Nirmal, she was from Thailand. So, yes, she was a woman of colour. Mm-hmm. But this would never happen 
I mean, I've spent enough time looking at the Australian Missing Persons Registrar. Well, that's what I was going to say. The cases that we looked at and our Missing missing Persons episode. Yeah. And the amount of women, and when I looked through it as well, the amount of Indigenous women that were in highly populated areas, Mm -hmm. someone would have seen something Mm -hmm. and nothing. And this is nothing. This is not a dig on the victims, of course. They no, no, no. Of course not. More than no, and a this million isn't, dollar this award. Isn't, this isn't to say that um, that any of the victims in the Tynong Frankston murders don't deserve their justice. They do. And it's incredible that there's a $1 million reward for each of them. So if you do have any information, please call Crime Stoppers. Um, so basically how I found out, not about the information on the case, um, there's a great website that I'll link to that has the entire timeline of all of the victims and all of the, um, it has also their locations and everything so you can get it to relative on the map. Um, um, but as well as that, there was a TV show and this is what I wanted to talk about. Um, so basically that information about Frankston and the Frankston and Tynong murders, um, you can find that at Frankston um, and then hyphen Tynong.com. Um, and that's got a timeline. That's got a map. It's got pictures of Alison, Bertha, Catherine, Anne-Marie, Nuremal and Joy. So there's all the information that you can get on there as well. Um, and there's the map available. Mel- okay, I have to say, Melbourne is bizarre. Melbourne How is so... Sorry. Well, like... Okay, so I work, I've said this so many times, I work for a flower delivery company. So I, like we deliver everywhere, um, but I like looking at a lot of the, Melbourne to me is just so weird because like it's so vast. Like when you talk about Melbourne, like I think like city centre or like all the way up to like Thornbury or Preston or something like that. But like the whole down to like the Mornington thing and Sorrento and it's like so weird. Um, You're saying so so many names of places that you don't know? No. I'm really realizing that I don't know much. Um, But yeah, so that's got all of the information about where the girls lived, where they went missing um, and where their bodies were found as well. Um, So that's a great resource. So obviously we'll put that into the um, show notes that you can have a look at. Um, So back to what I was saying. So sorry. Um, So there was this, as we all know, um, Ellen and I love a true crime show. Um, we love Law and Order. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's um, like TV shows that I've referenced before in cases, especially about South Australia, because this um, crimes that shook Australia, every single episode, something was about South Australia. Yeah. Um, so I found when I was researching about Tainong and Fran- Frankston, um, I found this TV show called Sensing Murder. Oh, no. Um, and, okay, so this TV show hosted by Rebecca Gibney originally and she hosted the episode that I watched. So what they do is they've got psychics. Yeah. And they get them to come on the show and see if they can find any information on the murder. So they didn't focus on all of the victims of the Tynong Frankston murders. They focused on Catherine Headland, who was the youngest. She was 14. Uh-huh. Um, so sensing murder. Each episode included detailed reenactments of the events, like such a mood for me because I did a murder reenactment earlier this year. Um, and lest we like, forget, lest we forget. God, I looked nothing like that poor girl. Um, sections of the reenactments are shown throughout the episode to refresh the viewer's memory of the events. Um, 
the producers state that the psychics are given no information about the case other than a photo, which some psychics prefer to keep face down. The idea that being um, the less information that they have, um, the better their super normal abilities function. Super Other psychics normal. choose super, 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 what did I say? No, you said super normal, but like super oh, right. normal. <laughs> super normal um, abilities function. Other psychics choose to look at the photograph to demonstrate their abilities, the psychics relay their impressions about the case, person, which may match the details of the case. Um, the psychics are then asked to provide any information that they can using their psychic abilities. Um, the show's private detective hosts um, the next section in which they try to investigate any of the new leads that were suggested by the psychics. Um, so the episode about Catherine, um, there were two psychics. Um, one was Deb Weber um, and Scott Russell Hill. So Deb, I'm sorry, I went like in on this because I have some real emotions about the use of psychics. Mm-hmm. Um, so Deb, during childhood, grew up on the grounds of a nursing home that her family owned and operated in Ferntree Gully, Victoria. Um, Subsequently, Deb went on to carve a career in geriatric nursing in over 25 hospitals, um, working through agencies to gather experiences. This seemingly normal life choice eventually proved too overwhelming for all concerned as Deb shocked and frightened um, by... uh, people by communication um, by communicating with passing residents oh i'm sure Um, she did now as a high profile medium psychic spiritual mentor deb receives accolades for the very thing that once sent people running in the opposite direction deb sees feels and hears messages from and other energy sources and provides stunning accurate insights into people's personalities families relationships and careers in 2003 she was approached by producers of australian network 10 series sensing murder and deb's also pivoted during covid times and is actually doing online shows and you can have private readings with her um maximum of two people per reading and must only be one reading not one reading in each hour readings are 375 dollars and the appointment is one hour to one and a half hours long um, all readings are voice recorded and emailed to you after the appointment. However, we highly suggest that you record. Well, they highly suggest. I'm not suggesting. I'm just reading from Deb's website. Um, yeah. Um, and then Scott. This Can I just say, yeah. Deb and Scott are not the names I want my psychic to have. My psychic needs to be called like, Tallulah Iris or something like that. Like, Deb and Scott, no. Deb and Scott, like, run the barbecue at the under-10s football match. Like, Deb and Scott are not psychics. Please continue with this very serious topic. (laughs) Okay, so Scott. And Scott annoyed me in the episode. So basically, what happens is, is, like, the psychic would... um, So they got given an envelope that was sealed with um, Catherine's name on it. Um, I believe, and they were meant to like, you know, predict things. things. Yeah, be psychic and about it. Scott was going on in the episode about him being a DJ oh. back in the day. So like his references to Catherine's birth date and when she went missing were particular songs. Ew. And like Rebecca Gibney would come over and be like, Catherine was born in such and such. And the song was popular on the radio in such and such. So he kept talking about that and he was like in like Deb I'll give her like she was a lot more precise yeah 
rather than Scott. Like she was talking and she was like, I'm hearing Catherine, but not Catherine. Um, Kathy, she liked to be called Kathy. Like she was a lot more direct, whereas Scott, I feel like, was just prattling on. He was just on and vibe. He, and he didn't do so well when they went into the area of where Catherine was found. Mm-hmm. And he, he was, like, completely off in the wrong direction, whereas Deb was, like, right on the money as to where Catherine had been found. And she was like, yeah, there's definitely more more victims out here as well. So I believe Deb a lot more. I was sold on Deb, whereas Scott, I was like, you're making this up. So, Jess so Ryan, from- you're willing to say here on this podcast that you believe in psychics? You no. believe in psychic Deb? No. Okay. I believed, like, I believed her in that moment. But yes. I'm going to go into my thoughts and opinions on this. I, okay. I know this is so bizarre that I'm talking about this on the Tynong Frankston thing, but this whole thing just took me on a journey mentally. Okay, <laughs> so Scott. Right. So he describes himself as a psychic profiler and he apparently predicted the death of Princess Diana a year before it happened. Okay, so did The Simpsons. <laughs> Ellen just said so did The Simpsons say. <laughs> Oh, um, so there's no personal info about him on the website in exchange. Like Debs has got, oh, she lives with her kids. She apparently lives in Brisbane as well. So maybe I should visit her. You've got some problems you could talk to somebody I do. about. I've, I have a chat to therapist David, see what he says. Um, um, and there's no, like, rather than like Deb going into like how she came into the profession, there's really no info as to how Scott um, got into it. Um, he's based in Adelaide. So as if South Australia needed any more issues. Yep. Scott Russell Hill's there. They've got DJ um, Scott. <laughs> and you can, he has online courses in learning numerology, if you're interested. Um, he's a motivational speaker as well. Um, he, it says, Scott Russell Hill is a world-renowned psychic, best-selling author, or we'll get, we'll get to that, and motivational speaker. Um, so his expertise is in spirituality, life purpose, motivation, inspiration, overcoming adversity and negativity, establishing personal goals. Speaker fee, contact us for pricing. Oh, if you have to ask, you can't afford it. Yeah, not nah. Out of my price range, Scott. Um, so then it said, uh, so he's been touring and speaking to audiences, both large and small, for many years. I'm feeling like it's a John Edwards thing, you know, like I'm sensing like... He starts with a B, a C, a D, an E, an F, a G, H, I, J, K, L, M, O, P. By utilising what he's learnt from his own obstacles combined with the thousands of reading he's done throughout his incredible career, Scott has a blunt, honest, funny and unique take on the human race and what makes people tick. In so many words, his words touch the heart and inspire the soul. All right. Scott's book. Fuck me. Okay. So... He's got a book called Sensing Natasha and it says Sensing Natasha is Scott's journey before, during and after that memorable day, a journey which brought Natasha Hayden and her very special family into his life. I didn't have any idea who Natasha Hayden was, um, but Natasha Hayden had her, um, she was unfortunately murdered by a man called Michael Curran in January of 2005. Um, Scott had... um, uh, Basically, um, Natasha's parents and Scott had met more than 10 years ago when he'd, he'd um, filmed Sensing a Murder um, and he'd made a mystical connection with um, Natasha. But Scott has only, when I read this article, had only now um, felt ready to share with Lynette and Brian what Natasha called out in those last precious moments of her life. Oh, my God. In his latest book, 
Sensing Natasha, the Australian media personality, reveals that the last words to escape the dying woman's lips were mum. So this is what fucks me up about psychics. Okay, I love astrology and I love the idea of a bit of a fun going to see a psychic because, like, fuck me, I walked past like a a psychic stand a cup oh god like a month or two ago with my mother and she was like Jess why don't you go and do it like you need all the help you can get I'm like you know what amen Catherine like yeah I do I do I do need all the help I can get and if it's that sort of thing when people want to go in and want to talk to these people on their of their own volition no fucking worries you're not hurting anybody okay except Like like the person who manages your finances yeah but I mean like that person has made the choice yep. to go, I want to go and see a psychic. Mm-hmm. My thing is with psychics that get involved with murder investigations, I'm going to talk a little bit more about psychic detectives in a minute, but it's this whole thing. This guy, Scott, had done this sensing and murder thing and he held back on this information for Brian and Lynette to make money and write a book. I think that's It's disgusting. It's the worst thing that you could ever do. Like... You know, don't at me like Scott. Like, I'm sure you're very gifted. I haven't, like, I haven't been in a session with him. Like, I don't know if he's legit. And if you believe in psychics, like, that's fine. I think I a little bit too. I don't know. I don't know what I believe in. After the last year, I don't, I don't even know which way is up, you know? So who am I to say that no one can do anything? Fuck me. I'm not saying that people can't communicate with Zane the dead races. or whatever. What? Oh, he uh, Zane was telling me what was up. He was like pointing, and I'm like, "Oh God, is the mic cut out? Do we have to start again? Oh, I'm not no. ready for this." Okay, okay. So, psychic detectives. Let's unravel this a bit more because I started thinking if there's shows like this, and they talk so much about like in Law and Order, you know, when they set up the hotlines about murders and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and all those kooky people ring up and they're like, "I can sense him in a room with a box." It's like, well, <laughs> that narrows are it down. Are you being useful or are you just like? Wasting everybody's fucking time. Okay. So a psychic detective is a person who investigates crime by using purported paranormal psychic abilities. Examples have included post-cognition, the paranormal perception of the past, psychometry, information uh, psychically gained from objects, telepathy, dowsing, clairvoyance, and remote viewing. In murder cases, psychic detectives may purport to be in communication with the spirits of the murder victims. Although there are documented cases where individuals claiming psychic abilities have assisted police in solving crimes, there is considerable skepticism in regard to the general use of psychics under these circumstances. Many police departments around the world have released the official statement saying they do not regard psychics as credible or useful on cases. So, for example... November 2004, purported psychic Sylvia Brown told the mother of kidnapping victim Amanda Berry... Oh, I know the story. ...who had yeah, disappeared 19 months earlier. She said she's not alive. And Brown also claimed to have had a vision of Berry's jacket in the garbage with, D- with DNA on it. Berry's mother died two years later, believing that her daughter had been killed. Berry was found alive in May 2013, having been kidnapped... Uh, kidnapping victim of Ariel Castro along with Michelle Knight and Gina De Jesus. After Barry was found alive, Brown received criticism for the false declaration that Barry was dead. <sighs> Following the disappearance of Elizabeth Smart on June, oh, the 5th of June 2002, the police received as many as 9,000 tips from psychics and other crediting visit, visions and dreams as their source. Oh, Responding to these tips took many police hours, according to Salt Lake City Police Chief Lieutenant Chris Burbank. Yet Elizabeth Smart's father, Ed Smart, concluded that the family didn't get any valuable information from psychics. Sydney, Australia, 1996, a Belgian-born Sydney psychic, Philippe Durant, 
who was approached by the fiance of missing Paula Brown to help locate her. Durant, they've got an E, they don't have an E. What's going on? Durant told police the location of the body of Brown. She was found less than two kilometers um two kilometers of the spot he had indicated in Port Botany, New South Wales, by a lorry driver who came across the body. Police said, even though the body was discovered purely by chance, the speculation by a clairvoyant appears to have been uncannily accurate. Durant had used a plumb bob and a grid map combined plumb bob. What's a plumb bob? Is that that root, root, root from Charmed? Gotcha. Um, <laughs> combined with some hair of the victim. Many police departments around the world, as I've said, that they don't regard... So- and that's what was said in Sensing Murder. Mm-hmm. They're like, the police said... But we're just going to have this stupid show anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, as I said... Australian police officially in general have said that they don't accept assistance from psychics and that was in response to sensing murder. Lol. Ooh, so funny. Um, an unnamed Australian police federal's officer was actually suspended following his seeking the aid of a clairvoyant in regard to the death threats made against Prime Minister John Howard. Lol. A federal police spokesman said they do not condone the use of psychics in security matters. There are still cases of psychics professing to have trained with the Australian police and failing to provide credible evidence to support qualifications or evidence of being psychic, uh, being a psychic profiler or intuitive profiler within the Australian police. That's the Australian Institute of Criminology, Australia's official crime research agency, advises parents of missing children not to resort the, to the use of using psychics who approach them. Mm-hmm. Former FBI analysis profiler Clint Van, Van Zant has criticised the use of psychic detectives and has stated that what happens many times in that professed psychics allow themselves the benefit of 2020 hindsight. After the case is solved, they make their previously vague predictions somehow fit the crime and the criminal. A detailed 2010 study of Sylvia Brown predictions about 100, um, 115 missing persons and cases has found that despite her repeated claims to be more than 85% correct, Brown has not, has, e- has not even been mostly correct in a single case. Okay, so the belief of psychic detectives, psychologists and researchers and other authors have posited a number of possible explanations for the belief that some can provide valuable crime information uh, from psychic abilities. The possible explanations include confirmation bias or our natural tendency to favour information to confirm our beliefs, mm-hmm. which wishful thinking, which is the act of making decisions based on what is appealing rather than reasoned, and retrofitting or, or retroactively refining the specifics of a prediction after the facts are revealed. So basically what that policeman was saying before. Mm-hmm. Um, the act of reinterpreting vague and nebulous statements made by psychic detectives is also referred to as a mul- as as the multiple out taking advantage of these cognitive limitations is the practice of cold reading which creates the illusion of knowing specific information while police claim they do not seek or use psychics to solve crimes they must follow up on all credible tips so that's the thing and that's what fucks me is these people that think that they see something and i'm not saying they don't but i'm saying if they ring up and they leave a tip all of them have to be investigated So they're just wasting everybody's fucking time. Um, And then basically it was also said like about family, families like resulting to psychics because Mm -hmm. they're desperate and they want their children back or they want to know what happened or whatever else. So it's like if you're a legit psychic, first off, reach out because I've got some questions about my own life. Mm -hmm. If you've got any answers as to 
what the fuck is in store for the rest of 2020 for the rest of the world. And also I would like to know the name, age and location of my future husband. (laughs) So if you have that information on hand, I would love to know it. If not, please leave um, victims' families alone. Here's the thing. If psychics could solve crimes, there would would be no unsolved crimes. That is a very obvious thing to say. If they just knew, then they'd know. But they oh, don't. This TV show. I'd recommend, like, I'd recommend watching it just for the fashion choices, especially Deb. She's got this real camp, like, pink coat, and she's like wandering around this scrubland. Um, as I said, I'm not having a go at these people. If they genuinely believe that they have these psychic abilities, fine. But just don't take advantage of people. That's my position. Believe whatever you want to believe, but don't fucking hurt anybody. Don't take advantage of people that are already in an extremely desperate and horrible situation. Yeah, there is no moral justification for it. As somebody who, like, fully thought she was a witch from the ages of, like, 11 till 15, if you do think that you have psychic abilities, you're wrong. It's not real. Grow up. Like, you can only be in a psychic phase when you're a 14-year-old girl. It is not okay otherwise. You cannot be a grown adult selling books pretending that you're a psychic because that's it is not Natasha real. Thing, I'm like, that's fucked. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. Um, I don't think, and I'm saying this as a person who has a true crime podcast, but I don't think that there is ever really a great justification for getting involved with a crime if you're not involved with the crime like yeah people who like you know you, you see a lot thing. about we're coming at this like from our position of what we do here we're just trying to give you some more information on the people like our entire intention behind doing this was talking about the victims because and we just found that we knew more about the we ain't getting involved like it's in the no. past we're not Jesus. being like mm, we don't want to think... solve your crimes we like go to the police we're not like we aren't. We ain't the ones. It's not, it's not us. It ain't us. We ain't Headley Thomas or whatever his name is. Well, he didn't solve it. No, but like he had time because he was getting paid. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Zane's house. I'm in my house. I have a. I have work tomorrow at nine a.m. Like I don't have the time. To get involved. The time, the resources. And I shouldn't because I have nothing to tell you. No. And neither do Deb and Scott. Mm. Make a cup of tea and have a biscuit. Deb, stop it. Like, do some bachelorette parties. That would be fun for a bachelorette party or go to a psychic. Okay, the only time that it is valid to be a psychic is if you're telling people, like, you're going to meet a tall, dark, handsome stranger on the street at 7.15 at Bondi Junction Station. Like As I said, if you're a psychic... Deb, Scott, if you have any information as to what my future, like, husband is, where he is, because I'm sick of looking for him. GPS locations, please. Easting and northing. We need that. We need access. We need it now. Exactly. Um, If you have any information as for me not to be continually traumatized by men with brunette hair and glasses, I would love to know it. Can we talk about the murders? Yes. It reminds me, what do you reckon? Connected, not connected? I would have to say if they were buried in such close proximity, they would have to be. That surely can't be an accident. It really reminds me of the Long Island serial killer, though. Have you read, watched, consumed that media? No, I haven't. So these, like, five girls 
were all found like buried on this beach in Long Island in New York. Mm-hmm. And they're like, the police are like, yep, deaf, these five, or however many it was. It's been a while since I've read the book Lost Girls, which was really good. Um, oh, that book. Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. And I then they, read found, it, but I've seen it. they found additional bodies buried on the same beach, but buried differently. Like, um, I think the five girls were just like buried in the sand, and then these other ones were like wrapped in plastic bags or whatever. Like, so they were similar, but not exactly the same. And that case is still unsolved, and people don't even know. They can't. I mean, I'm sure the police have ideas, but they don't know whether or not it is one or two victims. Mm. And I think, I mean, I do vibe that it is possibly the same person, but also it's not impossible for people to be like... It's not... I'm not saying it's entirely impossible and you can't rule it out, but I would just say it would be highly likely if they were buried 15 metres away from each other that that was probably the same person. Because, like... This area was dense. Yeah. Like, dense. It would have to be an extreme coincidence. Yeah. But coincidences it's do awful. happen. And especially, like, as I said before, the age ranges of them, of the women, like, you know. It's interesting because you also have to think, like, you know, one person could have done five and then another person could have done one. Exactly. Or it could have been... You know, six different people, but I think also the, um, I mean, as they said about the MO of them all traveling all to traveling, get on buses, yeah. um, Alice and Bertha, Catherine, like, yeah, so Catherine and Anne Marie were only about four years apart. Alison, Bertha, and Joy in the same, like, 60 to 70 age range, and then Nuremal in the, her 30s. Um, and, like, also the fact this was between. May 1980 and November 1981. So it was all within the 18 months. A pretty tight time frame. It's pretty tight time frame. And also like, wow, $6 million, $1 million for each victim. I really hope someone's got some information. If so. Please call Crime Stoppers. 1300 And don't call Scott Russell Hill or Deb. No. Unless you want him to spin some mad tracks at your bar mitzvah, don't call DJ Scott. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. And also, I'm really glad I got to talk more about the whole use of psychics because I've just didn't realize how angry it made me. It makes me cranky. I don't like people um, exploiting other people. Call me crazy. I think that's a bad thing to do. Call me crazy, but I think that's not cute. Um, So, yeah. Very interesting. As I said, it's it's unsolved. So, um, you can have a look on the resources that we'll put into the show notes. Um, I hope someone, like, I mean, all of them, it's just awful, but... The in sensing the mur- in sensing murder when they spoke to John Catherine's boyfriend at the time, mm-hmm. the poor thing he was so like you know he's a forty he would be like forty fifty now. Mm-hmm. Um, he was traumatized by what happened and obviously of felt course. so guilty about not walking her to the bus stop. And I'm sure it's the same with all of the victims, like Wayne Nirimal's husband. Yeah, he's right there. And that's the thing, as, like as we've said with missing persons. I mean, all of these women, their bodies were found. If it was the same person, I wonder how many. How many more? How many more? So, yeah. There's a little, little shorty episode for Melbourne and the surrounding areas. It was good. I enjoyed it very much. My brain Thank is ticking. So it's ticking. Great. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, as I said, check out the show notes for further information. And we'll also include some resources for you to do some more reading up on the Black Lives Matter Um protests that are happening at the moment um hope everybody is still you know staying safe and looking after themselves we are still mid covid so 
The pubs are open, dolls, but you still got to wash your hands. Still got to wash your hands. You know? God, I can't wait to yeah. go to the pub. I can't wait for a beer. Smash it down my gullet in 0.3 seconds flat. Also like a pub meal. Sitting down at a restaurant. Oh, oh my God. Never take it for granted again. Uh-uh. Alrighty, dolls. Um, well, we will see you in a fortnight's time for Ellen's next episode. Yay. So we'll see you then. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. I don't believe in coincidences. How much shit can happen on one street? One little insignificant street. Quiet, suburban, nothing shady until a year ago, and now two families are destroyed. A disappearance and a death exactly one year apart, and they live next door to each other? Something strange was going on on Hazel Street. And I was going to find out. Golden Ash. An episodic crime drama. From That's Not Canon Productions. Get your broadband moving all around your home. So you can start flexing in the living room. And that sourdough can start rising in the kitchen. For streaming from the front door to the attic, connect with our best ever Wi-Fi all around your home. Sky Broadband. Your world is limitless. For more information, see sky.ie forward slash speeds. Forward. It's the one move we're all ready to take. And at the Audi Moving Forward sales event, we're ready to help you on that journey. All Audi dealerships are now open. With tailored solutions to suit your individual needs, like the Audi A6 Saloon, with PCP finance from only €499 per month. Now is the time to make an appointment. Now is the time to start moving forward. Audi. Vorsprung durch Technik. Terms and conditions apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.